episode 144, dated Friday the 19th of February 2010, Community Room 101. Their names are Alex Shaw and Tony Adkins. Alex and Tony from Digital Cowboys. Together they are the Digital Cowboys. Our friends, the Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. A dynamic duo of dynamite podcasters that deliver a show of divine quality each and every week. We just recorded uh, with the Digital Cowboys yes, right before this. Fun times. Two very, very swell chaps. The Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. Digital Cowboys. I just recently appeared on the Digital Cowboys podcast. The Digital Cowboys. They're British. It was fun times because they're British. Yeah. Yes. And they have the sexy accents. It's true. In-depth gaming discussion with special guests and interesting questions. That's an interesting question. For those of you not familiar with Room 101, we've done three so far. The premise is very simple. People come on our show, suggest things that they hate, and they want to get cast into a fiery pit of hell, we have to play devil's advocate and argue in favour of said things. If they succeed, the thing that they hate gets cast into Room 101 forever. And for tonight's episode, we are reaching out to our community and asking them what they would like to see in Room 101. So let's go straight forward to Jeremy Tiong, also known as Sage and Axeman. I'm here with Jeremy Tiong from Australia, also known as Sajin Axeman from the forums. And actually, you've got a very personal one to try and put into Room 101. Uh, I'm without Tony right now because he's ill, but hopefully he'll be better for later on in the podcast. Okay, first off, give me your opening gambit. Okay, I would like to have the South Australian Attorney General Michael Atkinson and slash or his views on the R18 issue for Games in Australia. Let's say that uh, Michael Atkinson symbolises these views per- perfectly, so if we did chuck him in there and it would be him personally and he'd be forgotten about forever, Australian Australia's government would be forced to uh, reconfigure their views on video games, shall we? What, just explain what his viewpoint is. Michael Atkinson doesn't seem to think that gamers in Australia are adults. He seems to think that they're all children and mm-hmm. that we should all be satisfied with children's games. His viewpoint is that we shouldn't have an R18 rating and, and the current system is, is fine he's very wrong let's look at uh, what's been blocked because of the lack of an r18 certificate i've uh, i checked there's a there's a letter to michael atkinson from alex walker from edge and uh, he points out the four games that were denied classification last year risen necrovision sexy poker and Left 4 Dead 2. Until you got to the last one, I was going to say no great loss. Now, obviously, your version of Left 4 Dead 2 ended up, you know, being heavily cut down. It's, it's all, it, you know, when you look at the two side by side, it's, it's, it's shocking how different they are. But, but apart from that, I mean, really, is are you losing out on that much? It's actually not about what's being banned. It's, it's more about informing parents better about the, the games that they're buying for their children. At the moment, we've only got a MA 15 plus rating. Right. And so games like Modern Warfare 2, yep. instead of getting an 18 rating, they're going in at 15. So I'm assuming since Gears... Did Gears of War get through it over there? Yeah, that's an 18 over here, of course. Over there, 15-year-olds can get hold of it. So basically, conversely, his way of uh, doing these things is actually putting far more um, horrible, gory games into the hands of younger kids. Exactly. This is going to be a tough one to argue, i got to say. <laughs> 
Look at it from this point of view. Michael Atkinson is a fool. And anybody who looks at his policies can see that. Could it be posited that Michael Atkinson being where he is actually in some way furthers the course of video games? Because it's, it's forcing people to confront the issue a little more than if there was nobody, no fool out there arguing against rationality. If he was a rational man and had firm arguments to, to back up his opinions, outlandish though they may be, um, we could be scared of him. But ultimately, as it is, uh, he's, he's, he's kind of like Jack Thompson, only with a modicum of power. Right. Well, I suppose that if he wasn't there at all, then this wouldn't even be an issue to start with. He has this veto power. So it takes the seven attorneys general to all decide on this issue um, to change the law. And it needs a unanimous vote, right? Vote for some reason. I don't know. That doesn't sound very democratic to me. But hmm. So it needs a unanimous vote and he keeps voting against it. Obviously it's not the views of the rest of Australia so he's not really taking that into consideration. He's only caring about what his voters think in Croydon. Uh, did you um, say that he, he, there was a quote attributed to him that said the we is fine uh, people yeah, should just be happy enough with that. He sends out a standard letter in response to anyone who writes to him about the R18 issue. He'll send out a, a, um, a standard letter and, and this is a quote. Um However, it is important you do not confuse the classification rating of a game with the game's sophistication or challenge or interest to the player. I understand the Wii console has been phenomenally successful for Nintendo and that system provides many games to challenge and develop skill physically and intellectually without <laughs> depraved effects or, or cruel. So he says we should all be happy with the Wii, basically. Jesus Christ, this guy's got to go in. <laughs> Seriously, uh, from from what you're saying, if he disappeared off the planet tomorrow, as we said earlier, well, the una- unanimous vote, I mean, ultimately, if it's only him voting against it, th- then that would be basically that, you know, if this was a democratic system, he'd have been outvoted years ago. But the, under the unanimity, is that even a word? <laughs> under the unanimous vote system, he he's an obstacle. So if you remove the obstacle, hmm. Yeah, people are to remove him. But the, the thing is, I mean, he's probably done a lot of good things politically over the years. He's been in there since 1997, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just this one particular issue that everyone's going. Well, actually, no, there's been a few issues with him, but there's um this this one particular one that affects us. Um, see, if if he just had a different viewpoint on that, I don't really care about South Australian politics, so uh, it wouldn't bother me whether he personally went into Room 101, just these views. If he had a different point of view, I think things would change. Anyway. But, but the fact that everybody has to agree in one go means that he is required to be out of the picture. Yeah. So if we're going to move and shake things up and around, he's got to go. Okay. Let's start by bringing down the government with this one guy. Um, I'm going to let him in. It was it was a tough argument to make, and I I, I tried my best, but uh, I think ultimately the, the problem is with this kind of thing, um, people are encouraged to put in things that they hate, things that are you know pet peeves, bugbears, things that you know you, you can't put in cancer, you can't put in world hunger, and I think this guy's up there with the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, ultimately, removing him would make the world a happier place. Uh, Yeah, he's in. Okay. Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on Digital Cowboys.
thank you very much for having me. I yeah, I was over the moon. <laughs> Keep me cockatoo cool, curl. Keep me cockatoo cool. Oh, don't go acting the fool, curl. Just keep me cockatoo cool all together now. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Okay, and you're listening to the closest thing we're ever going to do to a live show, and our first caller is David Murray, also known as Kid Sampson. David, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I am excellent tonight. Tony, how are you? I'm, I'm fine. Just. You're not fine. You know I'm you. not fine. <laughs> I'm getting there. Sick as a dog, unfortunately. But uh, he's, he's, he's powering through this one. Right. David, what have you brought to Room 101 to offer up to the, the, the unholy sacrifice? <laughs> okay, uh, what I would like to uh, sling into Room 101 with Extreme Prejudice um, is a certain anthropomorphic blue hedgehog by the name of Sonic. Oh, <laughs> how <laughs> could you? <laughs> and I've, uh, just, I've just literally bought the Sega Mega Drive connection uh, on, uh, the, on Xbox 360, so it's gonna, this is going to be a tough one for you, David. And with all the hype from Sonic 4 as well, why yeah. now? Project Needlemouse, okay, right, sell it to us. Okay, well, first let me start off by uh, saying uh, I love Sonic the Hedgehog as much as everyone else, uh, or I, I did. Clearly not. You want to kill him. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. It's kind of my love for Sonic the Hedgehog that makes me want to get rid of him, because uh, after a decade, basically a decade of terrible games and uh, ridiculous hype, it's, it's just become this kind of corpse that's dragged around the gaming industry, and I'm kind of sick of it. I'm sick of, I don't want to get hurt anymore, is what I'm saying. I see. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I do see your point. It's kind of like... Um, What's the closest equivalent? Um, you don't want to see any more alien films made because they're just going to fuck it up again. Uh, kind of. I do want to see that alien prequel. That yeah, actually. With <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. I also want to see Project Needlemouse pulled through. That's the thing. You know, there's always that possibility in the future that it might get better. And I, I don't know. Well, the, be, but yeah. The, yeah, there's... Uh, Room 101 is for totally irredeemable things that just almost... There's no argument that they could get better. The fact that they are soldiering on and going, look, we know we fucked up. And the principal problem with doing 3D Sonic games is you have to make hundreds of miles of polygonal environments, which no one's even going to see because they'll be going through them so fast. Hang on. Prove more of a case here. Yeah. Why, I mean, what, what has tipped you over the edge from saying, OK, well, Sonic 1 and 2 were fantastic and such a, well, a leader of its genre. What about 3? Well, Free's always in contentious, but let, let's face it, it's better than most. So what, what tipped you over the edge? Was it the adventure games? Was it the countless terrible ones on the Just next the one generation? where it turned into a werehog? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you say, uh, you know, it's, it's redeemable at this stage, and they say, you know, we've learned all the lessons, and, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be just like the old days, guys. But, I mean, they've said that before, <laughs> everyone that they've brought out, and I just, I don't believe their lies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I think regarding the Mega Drive, when was the last time you played the Mega Drive Sonics? Uh, that would be when I first played the Mega Drive collection. I only played <laughs> yeah, them for a few minutes at a time, but uh, they, they still held up. They were fun. Okay, in my opinion, they're overrated. They're really overrated. The thing with the original Sonic games is you kind of you stick them on and you kind of blast through the Green Hill Zone and the Emerald Hill Zone. And you go, hey, this is brilliant for about three levels, and then you get to a ton of like instant death pits and spike pits, and it's Ooh. like, okay, it's called a challenge. You mean, so levels <laughs> two, three, four. See, for me, it was the sort of middle end of the game where it started getting really hard, like Scrap Brain Zone and and uh, Twilight Zone. That was, even though the music on Twilight Zone was so awesome, but just just it became like you'd go one way, spikes another way, spikes another way, and there'd be like, like a beetle yeah. thing next to some spikes. 
that fucking that rotating barrel thing in Sonic 3 in the casino level that was oh, horrible yeah. and was the other fun. thing is that the whole Sonic mythology is a, a misnomer he's not this incredibly fast uh, hedgehog thing yes he is on like two bits of the first game and a few bits of the second game but most of the time you are just trying to do like you know Mario style pinpoint jumps which you know with his little spinny attack thing aren't anywhere near as precise so it's I don't know they are kind of selling you the golden goose and it's actually just gold plated I'm not going to sit here and say that the the first few Sonic games weren't absolute masterpieces because I think you're wrong Um, (laughs) you think they were absolute masterpieces I think you've got to take a a time period of 16 bit gaming and slightly before that and some of the master system ones but um, you know I I think they were you know at the time I mean I love Sonic and uh, you know fair enough you can go back to it now and it may not be as pixel perfect jump as Mario but then nothing really ever was pixel perfect jump as Mario so I think it, it stands out. I think what's killed the series was not understanding that really Sonic only existed in a 2D plane because mm. you can't... I mean, the the idea of it was to move ultra-fast through loops to loops and get that feeling of a speed. And you put that into a, a view where you're behind him, you just and you're moving left and right. It just loses some of the... the the general feel of momentum. Kind of jumping. Yeah, momentum, feel, just, you know, seeing what's in front of you and jumping rather than it just coming towards you. Mm. So, I mean, I don't... I don't think it's unredeemable. I don't think it needs to be killed. I just think you know they need to learn their lesson where Sonic doesn't work in 3D and stop giving us these stupid characters such as Sonic with gun. Sonic should not have guns. <laughs> Sonic shouldn't even have tails. Sonic should just run fast and collect rings. That's what he was designed to do, and he, he never really evolved like Mario could outside of his, his Pacific genre. Uh, okay, tell you what, David. Um, we're not going to let Sonic in today, but... <laughs> that's on the proviso that we tended to just let too many people let their things in on uh, Room 101 before, so we're going to be extra harsh this episode. Uh, but there is a caveat. If Project Needlemouse turns out to be just all right or not that good, then I think you're right, and then Pro- uh, Sonic should be allowed, well, uh, not, not allowed, chucked into Room 101, where he will obviously lose all of his rings for the first moment and then die properly and lose all his continues and then just be be, be just laid to rest along with Ristar and uh, I was going to say oh, Rayman God. there but somehow Rayman came back yeah Rayman is a completely different form yeah okay but uh, the 3D Rayman games were alright though true yeah. okay but he should go to the rest home with Aero the Acrobat and uh, was it Rolo the Elephant yeah they can well, I mean that is something are you more are, are you upset about Sonic himself kind of raping your childhood along the way as he you know, oh each Jesus in, keep in, it light <laughs> no each, each individual episode just takes a little bit more of us away where you know is it more about that so if Mario was producing terrible sequels time it was time again. Super Mario Sunshine each time like I said I just don't want to be hurt anymore and I, I don't believe I really don't believe that Project Needle sorry Sonic 4 is going to be any good I just, just don't seem to learn their lessons over and over. I mean, you, you're talking about the transition to 3D, and I, I've always believed Sonic could work in 3D. They just they just never figured out what was good about the original games. And um, from what I've seen of Project Needle Mouse, I mean, um, Sonic 4, sorry. I have to get used to that now. <laughs> so just that, I mean, this is how desperate they are. They're calling it Sonic 4. Yeah, it's and admitting that, that the rest of the catalogue is broken. And it would be like returning home. It's horrible. It, well, yeah, no, it'd, it'd be like already, calling Super Mario Brothers Wii Super Mario Brothers Four. But I mean, they've already done that because I mean that terrible one they put out in 2006. They, it's back to basics, guys. We're just going to call it Sonic the Hedgehog, and they hadn't learned their lesson then. Mm. So it's it's like you know I, I, I'm not going to go back to my husband that keeps beating me because he insists he's not going to beat me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah. but this this time he'll be for a while. Tell you what. <laughs> in, along with that analogy, if he hurts you again, David, he's going in. Okay, I'll, 
I will I will um, put on a special uniform and I will march him into room 101 at gunpoint if that's the case. That is a chilling <laughs> image. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm fair. I, I think that's fair enough. If Sonic 4 doesn't turn out to be, because bear in mind at this point they they're admitting they've kind of messed up. And yes. they're saying this is the one. So if they get it wrong this time, I think there should be no remorse room. Yeah, then it, it'll come around to Sonic the Hedgehog 5, and it'll be exactly the same thing again, and people will forgive them all over again. But yeah, I see your point, I suppose. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you very much, David, for coming on the show. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Okay, our next caller is Bernard Sacco, also known as Super Slug. Is it Sacco or Sacho? Uh, Sacco, yes, you got it right. Actually, no one ever does that. It's great. Oh, no worries. Okay. From Australia as well. From Australia. From Australia. And you are our second Australian caller just of this episode, so uh, you know, keeping it up for the, for the Aussie side. Yeah, well, um, what we organising said something we do best is misrepresent our importance to the world. So. Uh. <laughs> okay, so what have you got for us? Uh, well, I was thinking about this. I had a whole bunch of things, but uh, yesterday uh, uh, Ubisoft made my mind up for me. Um, so it's a little bit PC-related, but uh, intrusive DRM that uh, makes gaming more difficult for legitimate buyers. Mm-hmm. But for Assassin's Creed 2, you have to be online to play. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if you lose your connection whilst you are playing, the game quits and you lose progress since your last save point. Christ. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's just so completely awful. I, 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 they announced a while back that you would have to be online to start playing, and uh, for most of us, that's sort of not a big deal anymore. I guess moving forward, I, I can live with a little bit of DRM because, you know, piracy is an issue. They want people to buy their games. I'm online anyway, so it wouldn't have dis- disadvantaged me at all. Just so crazy and so just ruining the experience for us gamers on the on the PC that. Bad DRM that makes gaming better for pirates. Well, and this, this is where we have to clarify this because we, we've had this argument before, and obviously we talked about piracy in this uh, show many times, and the fact that you know DRM is there to stop piracy, and that's something that we believe in. But um, the kind of DRM you're talking about is something that actually got EA in trouble, wasn't it? 2008, isn't it? When um, Spore, they basically decided to do the sack the same uh, route of putting DRM where you had to be connected. Uh, online. I mean, no, it, was def- it was definitely EA, but um, that's something got turned over. It wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the same. Uh, EA, but yeah, I would include a EA in this, actually. EA had the, um, you had to be online to start the game, I think, but then you also had five installs over the lifetime of the game. Yeah. So that if you installed it, you know, if you, you maybe you played it on a couple of computers, maybe you formatted it a few times, maybe something happened, and if you ran out of installs, well, that's unfortunate. You probably have to buy the game again. And that, that's another game. That was not more DRM. I'd like, I think that's a, a restriction that's beyond what is necessary for DRM. Mm. I, oh. I, I, I use Steam a lot, which is effectively DRM. Most of my games are on that. I could, and, but it doesn't restrict me in a way that makes gaming harder. 
Well, isn't 80% of the stuff on Steam, you have to at least be signed in online on Steam, or does Steam now uh, work a situation where you can actually play games offline? You can play With Steam, if you're offline, you can boot into offline mode. Like, if you've saved your password on your computer, mm-hmm. if you log in and there's no connection, you can say, I want to go in offline mode, and you can play all of your games. And the other thing with Steam, too, is, so you're online, you've logged into your account, you start playing your game. If the internet connection goes away... That you can, you can keep playing your games. It doesn't kick you out. Right. So what we're looking at here is DRM that basically takes the step that is far enough to say that you need to be connected, sending information back and forth to the the developer, the uh, or the producer. What'd that be? The publisher. So you need to be sending the connection back to the publisher uh, to say, "Yep, I am playing the legitimate copy 24 hours a day if you choose to play that amount." Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I've got to ask, what are the positive benefits of it? Because obviously we, we've, we've got to be able to argue in favour of it, and if, if it's there, it, there has to be something. That, that There's got to be a reason they're doing it. Well, I assume it's it's a piracy thing, because I, I can't understand any other way. Except, I, well, maybe, maybe they don't make you have the disk in drive while, while you're doing it. So I, I guess that's something. <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> Considering what you said happens if, it, if it, the whole thing crashes to pieces, then, hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I'd, what I would argue to you is that we know the reality of piracy, and, and certainly when you saw the figures last year of how much Modern Warfare 2 was, I think it was, was it 6 million copies, they reckon, was downloaded across the, you know, the, the torrents, and that's what they could actually track. Uh, I mean, it's a huge, huge problem. Now, I think they, you could look at this from a, an easy point and say, well, World of Warcraft is connected 24 hours a day and you can't play that and that's got however millions of people it has now and it doesn't really affect them. But what we're talking about here really is a completely, completely single-player game. There is no multiplayer to be found. So if you choose uh, just to enjoy the single-player experience, then why should you be connected to the Internet? Hmm. Um, is it conceivable for you to just keep constantly quick-saving? <laughs> uh, well, I, I believe, unless Assassin's Creed 2 is different, Assassin's Creed was based on save points, wasn't it? You hmm. had to yeah, you had to do, yeah, you had to do certain things, so. Well, yeah, okay, some of those are quite far apart. Let's not look at this so narrowly. Let's look at then, um, intrusive DRM that we, we all know has to exist because of privacy is, is such a problem. But DRM that, you know, really actually inconvenes more people than it actually prevents from probably uh, pirate in the game and you, you'll probably find out actually if you look at how many people have already downloaded Assassin's Creed 2 that people have already worked their way around it and we're in a situation now where it's actually affecting legitimate buyers rather than uh, the people that are always going to work way around the system hmm. well yeah see, it's in a situation now where if I want to play it I probably have to buy it and then potentially work out how to pirate it or to crack it so that I can play it in such a way that that it's is so fucked up <laughs> Mm. And yeah, absolutely, it's messed up. But um, I mean, if you wanted to, uh, like I said, if you include the limited installs, if maybe that's less draconian and easier to defend. But I, I prefer to see that go as well. I would include that in my intrusive DRM list. I suppose similarly, when I if I downloaded some music from iTunes and then wanted to put it in the podcast, I have to turn it into an MP3 and then effectively, you know, make a copy of it so that I can then use, which is DRM free. Well, and play a license fee, but we'll get beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, DRM—it's such a contentious issue, and it's not something that I necessarily want to. I mean, in an ideal world, DRM wouldn't exist, and we'd all play games and live in this harmless world. 
Yeah. Not, not going to happen. No pirates. Um, and I think all that you're seeing here is companies trying to, you know, feel how far they can actually push it mm-hmm. and seeing whether, you know, if, if nobody has really pushed forward that far before, such as not Ubisoft for the first time, uh, and it cuts piracy maybe by, you know, 50%, you know, 60%. Then it's something I think that you know, as a PC gamer, you you know that you you know, unfortunately, the PC is the easiest format to pirate, and uh, with that, I think there's certain measures you're just going to have to say, well, you know, because of this, I now need to be connected 24/7. And part of the argument I would say is that I I can't believe that people who are playing PC aren't already connected to the internet because that is what 90% of people do with their PCs is surf the internet. But I can understand. Yeah. Your point of view, if it's stopping you from actually maybe, well, get, honestly, Alex, have you ever seen a PC that's not connected to the internet? Uh, back in the uh, early 80s, yes. Oh <laughs> well, no, I, I can give you an example. One of my friends recently moved, and uh, there's no space on the uh, hub, so he cannot get a connection. It's um, so it's impossible for him to connect to the internet right now, so he can't play this game. My router's a little bit flaky at the moment. I need a new one. It probably cuts out uh, every now and again. So if that happened to me, I would lose any progress. Might I suggest playing Assassin's Creed 2 on the Xbox 360? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I don't have an Xbox 360, but... Whoa! <laughs> okay. I am, I'm planning on picking up a, a PlayStation 3 okay. at some point. Yeah, you do that. And so I'm thinking, yes, if, if I do get played Assassin's Creed 2, it will be on that platform. It, it just doesn't seem like a, a sensible thing. If, you, if your router is going to be get, be cutting out and they don't seem to be like they're going to be changing this way of, of uh, handling Steam games anytime soon, it, it seems like you're going to have to change rather than them. And that, that does... Uh, well, I have to say, though, it's not Steam games, Ubisoft games. Sorry, just, just Ubisoft yeah. games. Okay. Steam well, games, like I said, DRM is okay. I don't have an issue with DRM because, like I said, Steam is pretty heavily DRM'd. And I love Steam. Steam every, if every game was on Steam... Or PC game, it doesn't. That, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, but early on, I, I didn't, because it, it uh, the first time I installed it, it downloaded a whole bunch of stuff for me automatically and uh, put me over the limit. And I was living at home because I was like 19 or something like that. And I got quite a lot of trouble because it cost us 50 bucks. But um, since then, since then, it seems Steam's uh, worked its way into my heart. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, DRM can be done well. I just, this sort of stuff, you don't need to do it. Does the Assassin's Creed 2 box state on the back that internet connection is required at all times to play this game? Or is this something that's, has this something that's come out of the, you know, the woodwork as and when the game has been released? Well, this is, this is, uh, just, I don't think it's actually been officially released yet, so I haven't seen the box. It was just, um, something I was reading in an article describing their play experience of it, a reviewer, uh, so I, I would imagine it does. If it doesn't, I would also, I would say they're probably doing yeah. something illegal. But uh, I expect it to stay down the box. You see, these these are the worst ones for Alex and me to really defend here because on one hand I can completely agree with you. I, I think you know the Dracronian um, methods that get used for DRM is is becoming worse and worse. And I don't know you know at what point. Well, how far they can actually push it? I'd assume this, you know, Ubisoft and the Assassin's Creed uh, debacle maybe is as far as it can go. Because I mean, what more can they do other than saying, "Well, have a disc in your drive," as well as being connected to our servers, saying <laughs> you'll you be legitimate. Call us every fifteen minutes and say and repeat your CD but, key. Christ. On on the other hand, I'm I'm 
I still believe that, you know, the people that make these games should get paid the money that they're due. And, you know, PC piracy is a huge problem. And um, I feel like, you know, if this is a step that Ubisoft needs to make to make sure that that game isn't, you know, pirated over a million times on the PC alone, then, you know, they're, they're within their rights to say, well, if you don't like it and it's on the back of the box to, to you know, play it elsewhere or play it on a, on a console that doesn't necessarily require you to do so. Looking into the yeah. future, is this a sort of system that could actually be updated in a way, or, or will computers catch up with it rather than the other way around? Well, what, do you, could you see people still subscribing to this this manner of uh, DRM protection uh, in 2020, for example? I don't I know. I, I don't think this is going to keep going. Well, unless the internet becomes so incredibly reliable that people forget that it could ever be turned off. Mm. <laughs> um, it can. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, see we're, we're, we are almost there, which is why it's starting to happen. Yeah. But, but, um, but I mean, wouldn't you say that Steam has kind of already embedded itself quite deeply into the? You know, I, I don't know many people that run Steam without having it connected to the internet. And to start off with, obviously, with Steam, you need to be connected to the internet at some point to actually download the games. I guess what we're saying is, you you have one less option that you can't play these games offline. And you know that honestly does suck, but I you know, I'm not too sure I'm I'm willing to say let's throw the the means of you know piracy protections in the bin if it does actually stop people from piracy protection. Well, now, if what I would say if this study proves out that a million people still downloaded Assassin's Creed and the only person it's really affecting is you know you who buy it legitimately, then damn right it should be thrown away. But until we see those those stats and figures and you know. If it's one of those things that does prevent it, then it's you know for me it kind of just it sits there on on the on the edge, perilously looking over. Yeah. Well, so there's one thing I would I would still say to that is that um, it if it if I just had to be online to start the game, I'm I'm with that. Steam has sold me on that, but the the fact that if something goes wrong, it boots me out and I lose my progress, like that would just be rage inducing, you know, and I would I would probably just, if that happened to me twice, the game would I'd, I'd never play the game. So it, it's just that extra step that is that has made me just mad. I can sympathise with you there because I mean, if you, if you're playing a game and um, you know it, it's almost like it's okay. You're saying, well, if it just saves at every point, then you know certain games don't lend themselves to, to quick saving um, or you know a checkpoint every twenty seconds. So yeah, you yep. know, it can actually change the actual way that game structures need to be made just for PCs if it follows that route. And I can only assume. Assassin's Creed's got a, a checkpoint system. Look, I have no idea. Also, yeah, I'm, I'm also 100% going to say that this isn't, just like any other DRM before, it isn't going to stop piracy. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I don't understand how they think it will necessarily, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, if, if IWNet for a game that is purely online, like, you know, I think some, some stats... The crazy stats, like more than half people who bought Modern Warfare 2 didn't play the single player. So if a game that has a completely controlled by the developer backbone for online play still gets pirated that much, then I, I can't see how they expect this to be any different. And, and also I think it's partly a, possibly a response to Prince of Persia 4 not selling a whole great deal without DRM. But people didn't buy that because no one thought it was a very good game. Yeah. Because it didn't have DRM. And, and, you know, I, I think this sort of thing is, is bad for the developer in the end, too, because I think it will cost some sales. A friend of mine had the uh, the special edition pre-ordered, which I think is 130 bucks. was here. 
and he cancelled it yesterday when he heard about this. He went into EB, said, uh, I'd like to cancel my order. The clerk said, DRM. (laughs) (laughs) He went, yep. Clerk gave him his money back, no question. So, so from what he, you're saying... He was not the first person to do it, so it's costing them sales. It's, it's just not helping anybody in any so way. So it's useless for its sole intended task, then, basically. Yeah, it's not selling more copies, basically. And, and people are making, still pirating the damn game. Well, well that, that, that is, we don't that, that's, specula- that's speculation, yeah. but I would put my money on yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> would, oh. you, would you put your soul on the edge of being 101? <laughs> <laughs> uh, under yes. that argument, and purely because I would like to see a progression of this and some sort of happy medium met, I would like to throw this into room 101. Tony? I'm, I'm still standing by my, I think, you know, in many respects, and, and this isn't just to upset the, the PC community, and I, and I know you for a, for a fact are a big supporter of the PC community, certainly on the forums. Um, but you know, I, I think with the territory comes uh, pretty strict DRM because you know they brought it on themselves. Um, but you know, I, I think if this doesn't work, then yeah, it gets a, a kick into um, Room 101 purely in the fact that you know DRM at some point has to have, know its limits. Okay, I'll well, tell you what. I can't then. help but feel like, well, you know, it's there for a reason. Okay, well then, tell you what, Bernard. If um, <laughs> we're going to leave it out for now, but if Ubisoft stopped doing it, it's because it didn't work, and you know where it went. Room yeah, all right. one. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Bernard Sacker. No worries at all. Thank you for having me. Talk to you later. Okay, next caller, we've got Roy, also known as Roy42. How you doing? Not bad. Okay. What you got for us, Roy? Okay. First thing I really want to cast into Room 101 is content released on discs that really, for all in, for all that it's uh, all that it's really hyped up, should just be released on downloadable content. And the two franchises that sort of do this the most, the Guitar Hero Rock Band franchises and... EA Sports series. Ooh, okay. You're, you're going to get Alex on his bandwagon there. Yeah, I, I was going to add Street Fighter to that one, but carry on. I mean, like, you've got, unless, as far as I'm concerned, with Guitar Hero, and more so, so Guitar Hero than Rock Band, but with Guitar Hero, you've got Metallica and Aerosmith and Van Halen, and yeah, and there was Rock the 80s back um, when it was on the PS2. Mm. And as... Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's why not just, why can't they just release it on downloadable content? Mm. Just, you know, the Van Halen pack, the Metallica pack. It's just corporations going after as much money as they can and it's just no, and there's no practical, practical reason for putting it on an, ex, on an extra disc. Um, right. <laughs> on, on the Guitar Hero front, they were, they, they decided that was going to be their strategy for 2009. And I don't think it really paid off because they're not doing it for 2010. So to, to a degree, you're kind of, you know, you're successful on that one because they're going to stop doing that with Guitar Hero. I think they're, they're, we're reducing it to just one Guitar Hero disc this year, one Band Hero and one DJ Hero. However, Rock Band have been doing it for years, just, just downloads, and I've been enjoying it. I don't know, I don't know about you. I mean, do you like the Rock Band store? Uh, yeah, I enjoy it, and uh, I like how uh, 
they just sort of just keep keep releasing content then and like the only other two rock band games one of the we've got Lego Rock Band Beatles Rock Band which I still haven't mm. which I didn't bother getting because uh, I just because I just don't like getting paying off paying extra for a disc that's just of one mm. band and some guest tiles and then and then there was Rock, rock Band two just three extra games and they all pretty much had a good reason for being on a single oh, and disc. There was the ACDC disc, which I would definitely say should have been a download, but they, they dug their feet in. And well, the that, that was an exclusivity thing yeah. in the States, but yeah. That didn't last. Um, but no. uh, but conversely, Rock Band have now got, I think they've got Green Day plan, they've got, the, there's the rumours of The Who, and now Jimi well, Hendrix yeah. as well. Well, I mean, I, I can actually give you the reasons for this. Um, if you actually look what, I mean, Guitar have been phenomenally successful with their franchises, releasing them on disc, yeah, not so much with their download service. Uh, in fact, it's actually quite embarrassing how bad the download service is compared to Rock Band. Shameful. But, I mean, it is. But you know, then again, um, Guitar Hero Aerosmith went on to sell over a million copies. Um, now, I would argue that there wasn't any single one track pack or piece of content on the Rock Band store that sold a million copies or anywhere near close to that. Now, of course, you know, it costs a lot more to produce a disc and uh, you know, it takes more time and effort to actually make the assets. And, and so, you know, some of that's got to be taken off. But I'm pretty sure Aerosmith made more than anything else within that Rock Band store did. Now, the other reason why you're seeing uh, Rock Band Green Day is because the Rock Band store hasn't been uh, as big a success as um, both EA, well, actually, it isn't EMO, but MTV Games and Harmonix would have mm. liked to actually uh, admit to. Um, the, the reason you're seeing that is is because it hasn't actually earned them enough money to keep their financials up all the time. That is the only reason the Green Day ain't coming out. And the other reason Green Day is coming out is that, you know, some people say, why, why not Leonard Skinner? And, and why not, you know, some... some Led Zeppelin, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. Because, quite frankly, the, the people that are still playing this game are actually going to buy um, Green Day in the, in their droves because it's kind of aims to that demographic of their market. Yeah, Beatles Rock Band did not sell as much as it probably yeah. should have done. Yeah. It's, it's going to do very well for them. And, and I think what's happened here is that we're, we're all very much like everything should be released online. But forgetting, because we all live in this digital age the way that we do, that a lot of people just aren't online. And you know, and a lot of people that we know, even within our, our user group, like to, to play the disc, you know, just pick up you know, Band Hero, whatever, or even you know, Beatles Rock Band. I don't know why you shouldn't, but you know, they'll pick them up, rent it, play it, enjoy it, get rid of it. And that's still a, a huge percentage of the population that will do that. Now, if you look at something like ACDC, completely agree with you, because that just feels like a trap pack that shouldn't yeah. have existed and should have just come out as a DRC uh, bonus, or they should have put the time and effort something like Beatles Rock Band. Or um, I actually think Band Hero was a, a fairly decent successor as well, and you know made the assets to make it an enjoyable experience. Or Metallica, mm-hmm. I think the problem is when they just basically just pump out something that clearly um, you know shouldn't be there. But then again, if you look at the the, the Rock Band Trap Pack Two and Country Pack and uh, Metal Pack, you know they're all out there because they know they can actually sell that many more copies mm-hmm. by releasing it. So as much as it clusters up there, our our shelf space. You know, I, it's, it's there for a reason. But that's, I mean, that's just the music games. It's a whole different kettle of fish, I think, if we start talking about the, the extra. Small uh, games, yeah. I mean, the, the whole idea that you buy the, the latest Madden every single year and all you really get is team updates. Okay, well, okay. When, sometime back in 2007, I went over to a friend's house and he had FIFA, FIFA 07, mm-hmm. and I played them and I thought, yeah, this is, this is an okay game, it's kind of fun. And uh, I wasn't, at that point, I sort of, not that I wasn't, I didn't know about it, I just didn't care for the fact that they were doing the 
year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And when I and so like I went back maybe a month or two later, and he'd gotten FIFA 08, and I said, "Oh, that, that's cool." I didn't realize they made a new one. Mm. And I said, what's what's changed with it? And he said, like, oh, they've added uh, uh, some... They've added, they've added uh, updated teams and everything, and I played it. And as soon as I finished playing it, I turned to him and I said, sorry, what was the difference between this and FIFA 07? <laughs> it's very simple. Why did you pay $100 for this? That's pretty grim. Okay, wasn't FIFA 09 the one where it suddenly became really much yeah, better I- and, and they changed the engine, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, FIFA 09 was a huge improvement over over the 8, and yeah, it was because of an engine change. Now, I, I think, yeah, it, it's true that even if you look at FIFA 10 over FIFA 09, you know, some some of the, the small things they've done, you know, hugely improvement. It's actually the 360 ball control is a, is a huge benefit, but could that not be done over um, just a yearly update? Yeah. Quite possibly, but then we're still living in this world where, you know, I think reality is off-shelf games sell twice as well. Well, isn't it the fact that there's like 20% of games are downloaded off on online? I mean, yeah. if you, if I mean, the download market is still I mean, pretty young compared with just yeah. buying something off the shelf, which is a, quite an old practice. It dates back to, ooh, before video games. A, if they're going to change the engine and do a full overhaul on the game, then it deserves its own disc. If they're not going to, it probably doesn't. But conversely, if people didn't want to buy it, they wouldn't buy it, and it wouldn't happen every every year. But it does, because we keep doing it. Tony, did you buy FIFA 09? Yes. And 10? Yes. There you go, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, partly that, I mean, you just say, well, it's a roster update. Well, it, it's more than that. I mean... You want the ball control. I mean, yeah. <laughs> of to. course, you, you can just download, you know, the, well, exactly, you can download different shirts and, and different player names for different teams and different stats. But there is, I mean, I, I believe the, the difference between the FIFA 10 and the FIFA 09 was something like 250 different changes. Now, some of those were small and some of those easily would have fitted within a, just a, a yearly update. But some of those were much bigger. I mean, the, the 360 ball control um, made the, the game feel entirely different. Now, you know, some people would have probably loved that and some people would have hated it. And if you just got this download choice, then it could have been something that would entirely overwritten a game and you would have been stuck with one over the other. I think this is a, a, a reality I'd love to see going down the line when you know we're all fully connected to the internet and, and downloading full games isn't a problem in the future. But um, and for us to have a choice, let me just download this this title and add a, a cheaper a rate if it's based on the same engine. Let it be. Let me just pay twenty pounds instead of the forty pound retail price. But as it is, I can you know yearly sports games are, are always a difficult one, and I think the people that do it can normally justify it to themselves why they do it. Uh, and anybody else that doesn't play sports games just look at them and go, what are you doing? So I, I can't give you a definite reason whether that's wrong or right. But I mean, once, let me bring up this one. Street Fighter 4 Super Duper Ultra Special Edition that's with the one. Bells, yeah. bells and whistles <laughs> on top. I mean, to me, Super that's, Street Fighter 2 4 Turbo HD Remix. Yeah, because that's a better name. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, Alex, I mean, that's more of your cup of tea. And that's something I would say, well, that just, you know, why can't you just download that? Yeah. I, I totally agree. In this case, if, if it was just based on that, I'd say yes. It's straight into Room 101 with this bullshit. Um, and, and also with, you know, the, just if we took it away using this, I mean, it's, it's, it's an entirely pointless argument because we, we can't do away with it because people, it, that people, this sort of thing is still in demand. Super Street Fighter 4 will still sell. I just, what I wish is that you could get both. You know? Yes. 
just just for options. Yeah, basically just just um you could you could buy Super Street Fighter Four and you could also download the update for Street Fighter Four. You know, for for uh, a fee that is roughly equivalent that that accounts for the fact that you've already paid out forty quid or in your case a hundred bucks for the original disc. Which if it's not going to be that much different, if it's just a few extra characters. And, and extra costumes, and maybe you know they've sorted the net code out so you can actually have proper tournaments online. That's good, but that is not worth the price of a full disc, even at budget price. That's twenty twenty quid basically, tops. Tops. Okay, yeah. So, um, okay, so I'll put up, I will put up with if they release you know additional content that's not as that's not super as not as incremental as it should be for the price that they're asking. At least release it at you know something. That's clearly it's less than a hundred dollars. This isn't this isn't a full game, and you're not going to have to pay as much as you will for a full game for it. That if they can go with that, then then I'll live with that. But otherwise, uh, then they're just can't, then it's just uh, if they leave it at you know a hundred dollars or however however much in the UK and fifty dollars in the US that you're paying for it as a full game, then it, then it should just go straight into room one one as far as I'm concerned. The other thing you can think about is that if they do, um, say, say Madden 12 comes out and it is uh, both a digital download for a reduced price or the full disc. Um, if you've already got Madden 11, you could just download the extra. The price of the Madden disc will not shoot down quite as much when it when it goes to uh, second-hand market. Now, that's big in the UK. I don't know how, much, how big it is in Australia, but you can buy... Pretty much any game, uh, you know, if it's just a few weeks old for a great deal less. So it's, it's, it's not even like Super Street Fighter 4 is going to stay up that high all, all that long. Uh, but the point is for me that that's all about the online play. And if everyone's only playing for the first couple of weeks or so, I want to be there for it. But so, uh, to what is funny is that the cost of, you know, the incremental sports titles, I mean, the, you can buy the, the brand new come day release, so FIFA 10, you know, 40 pounds, and it will stay roughly 40 pounds throughout its entirety of its shelf life for whatever the, yep. the 11 months. And then the, because the FIFA 11 comes out down to three quid. And it will uh, be down. CDs. I mean, it literally becomes worthless overnight because nobody wants that. And now the interesting thing, what the EA at least been doing, with their, I know with the FIFA game, not so sure with the other franchises, is that you can actually have what they, you know, is, is their live season. So basically, it updates all the player changes, updates all the player stats. So basically, it's following throughout the entire season what the hell is going on within the w- real world so you're actually getting up to date information all the time now what they currently do is that that feature is only available for the latest title so once FIFA 11 comes out they see support for FIFA 10 so you know they, they force you in many ways but you know I think that's the baby steps and EA uh, I think are leading the market in the way that they're saying look we have looked at a future where we can just download this content to you straight away and you, you don't have necessarily have to buy the disc again. But, you know, quite frankly, the infrastructure isn't there and people aren't asking for it yet. But it will come a time. I think, you know, Roy, you'll, you'll get your, your dream of maybe less games up on the shelves. But yeah. the reality is that, you know, I, I can only talk from the UK's perspective, FIFA will be within the top 10 charts from the day it's released to the back end of mm. the new one uh, coming back out again. So it's doing all right for itself. The day will come, Roy, when there's a diskless system out there. I mean, you could technically say that the PC and Steam is there already. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be for a while. But when it happens... Well, okay, well, <laughs> at, at the moment, it's um, I'd more want to see only the things that... Because I, sh- I should probably also say, um, I, I've cert- I'm not a fanboy at all, but I just prefer... I just like games on the Wii. 
a lot more than I enjoy the average, completely the same as the other one, first-person shooter on the 360-odd PS3. And so, um, and I would like to see as many games as they can that should be DLC or just not exist, not be on the shelves, just so I can, just so that more games that are worthwhile on the Wii and as well as, and the best ones on the 360 and PS3 will all be at the front and center on the shelves. So everyone can actually play them. I think, I think the funny thing about that argument though really is uh, stuff that gets generally annual franchises or, or, you know, well, even more so in, in the case of the Guitar Hero franchises, are stuff that are actually rather popular and doing well, and nine times out of ten are pretty good games. So it's, it's not like we're, we're constantly clogging up our shelves with you know terrible shit. Although strangely, I mean, you bring up the Wii, there would be a bunch of bad, you know, a whole rack of bad yeah. carnival games and whatnot, mm. all sitting up there, maybe clogging up um, the shelf space, which should be some really good uh, smaller Wii games that you know other people wouldn't have heard of. But um, yeah, I think shelf space is a huge concern for any any retailer and certainly if you're independent but you know staying up within that um that main rack and it is a I, I completely agree with you there is you know is very hard when you've got fifa sitting there for 11 months of the year so um but i, <laughs> I i'm not too sure that's something i'm going to throw into room one-on-one i mean as much as we want to see you know a digital the digital download future happen straight away and this is already something we've been talking about quite a bit on this show haven't we alex but yeah yeah um yeah, I, I'm not too sure the industry's there yet, or even at this point really needs to be there yet. But you know what I would throw into Room 101? If it actually happened more often. Get this, Roy. When Portal Still Alive came out, it's basically the original game plus the extra bonus stuff. But you can't yep. just get the bonus stuff. You own, mm. You have to buy it with the original game. Now, if you like Portal, you probably got it on the orange box. Why would yep. you buy the original game why would you pay the extra for the original game and the the bonus stuff you'd have to basically consider that, that stuff is worth that was it originally 1200 points or something like that yeah, i think yeah the bigger problem there was they, they priced it as that you were playing you're paying for the full portal experience yeah. and really what most people would have been picking up for was the the edit the added content so it was 1200 points on release which was Ridiculous. So that'd be the equivalent of saying, hey, you can buy the digital download of uh, Super Street Fighter 4. That's the same price as it would be at retail, and you're paying for effectively the, the same whole game rather than just the updates. And you don't need your original Street Fighter disc. That's junk. You can throw it away. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they do that, straight into Room 101, because that was okay, a stupid other, way of doing it. Related to that, the other thing that sort of is part of that that I also cannot stand seeing on shelves uh, game of the Year editions of games. It's like, oh, we've it's Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, but we got Game of the Year, so we're putting four additional map packs in. Woohoo! Yeah, that can go burn in hell. <laughs> 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 no, that annoys me purely because it's almost like a kick in the bollocks to anyone that's already paid out on the uh, the DLC, and and quite often, you know, you. I mean, the early adopter syndrome of DLC in, in this case, as I call it, because you'll pay full price and Gears of War was a classic example, Fable, uh, Fallout. I mean, all these ones where, you know, I paid hundreds, well, in Fallout's case, probably hundreds of pounds to, to play and complete that game. And then suddenly the, the game of the year edition is out there on the shelves. And, you know, at, at this present time, I think you could buy it for about 30 quid. So, you know, undercutting my hundred odd pounds that I spent on that. But, I mean, at least the company themselves, like, yeah, I'd like to think that it's the company going, well, here we go. For all those people that don't have online, here's that, that DLC. In reality, it's them just, just getting it back out on the shelves again and going, look, see all this stuff? Did you not buy it the first time? No, I've got that bonus stuff. Please buy it. Um, yeah, that's a difficult one. 
Yeah. Okay. It has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later. Okay, we have with us Jeff Merlihan. Jeff Merlihan. And all you have to do, Jeff, is not fall asleep. I won't, I promise. What have you got for us? What do you want to throw into Room 101? Um, my big problem is uh, release dates that companies you know, insist on giving us and then basically lying to us at the very last minute. The bastards. Yes, indeed. So <laughs> I was thinking, why can't they just, like, say, leave it without telling us or make the game, say, three months before they know they've got, like, they're on schedule yeah. and then tell us, why do they have to say six months beforehand and then basically lie to us so we're all pissed off and disgruntled and... So, so kind of like splinter cell uh, conviction. That's not exactly what I had in Pushing mind. it back, pushing it back, pushing yeah. it back. We're going to push it back again. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say that the short and easy answer, if, if, if Mike Oldman is to be believed, is that the, uh, the promotion of these things takes about six months. So you basically have to sort of get the wheels in motion, get your, your advertising sorted out, and get it sort of ready for that time. And then if you're pushing it back, it requires even more faffing about to get that out there. But at least you've got it in the public eye to a certain degree. Um, but I... I do understand that it should, they, they should really be at a point where they've, they've pretty much got the game done and then they announce the, the day. They should just go with Q1 to begin with and then give us a day. You know, or, or Q3 or whatever Q they're in, but not give us a specific day and then change that. Yeah, so, but Tony, what do you think? I would argue to you, if you look at something like Pistons Cell Conviction, will it really do it any harm? I mean, yeah, I mean, that game was meant to come out a long time ago. I mean, if you imagine the first release date, we're talking two years ago. And, yeah, you know, it, it's an odd game to look at, but, you know, two years ago they were saying, right, it'll be out this year, yay! And then it got pushed back and disappeared of No Man's Land. Then they said, no, nope, the end of the year, most definitely been pushed back, and it looks like it's going to be in the middle of this year. Now, the thing with that game in particular, I think, you know, it, the, the extra time and period it's, it's had to be pushed back will lead to probably a better game. And that's the thing to remember about most games that do get pushed back, and that's opening the cans of worms within itself, do actually turn out to be better products. Um, like you, Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, yeah, that's a classic <laughs> example, one that just, you know, it goes too far, and there will always be that. But if you look at really a lot of the big games that get pushed back, it's it's for the, the benefit of the game. So I think, you know, to have this, well, it's it's going to come out on this release date or not at all, and that does happen because companies need to make financial quarters. And that's where you'll see release dates is because companies go, right, This the end of Q1, we need to earn this amount of money in the bank, yeah. and we need to tell you that this game is going to be coming out then, build some hype. And you're going to go and buy it. Now, a bad company, what they'll do, will go, well, we need to, we need this game to come out, and this yeah. game is going to come out on this release date whatsoever. We get the game, we all slag it off, doesn't do very well because public opinion of it isn't particularly great. And that could now, be three I, years of their lives just wasted. Now, what a good company we can do, we'll go, right, well, six months, we need to push this back six months. And you know what? We've promised everyone it's going to be ready for, you know, for the end of November. But the reality is, if we have six months more, the multiplayer is going to be good. We're going to narrow down that single-player story and just make the elements that we thought we couldn't include in it better. And it gets pushed back six months. Now, what I say is there's enough games coming out every single week of your life 
to get upset about the ones that get pushed back. So you know what? I didn't have time to play Splinter Cell Conviction in November. I was too busy playing a, a, a ton of other games. I probably won't have time to play it by the sounds of it in April, but it was probably a better idea that got pushed back then. But the frustration of thinking, yay, it's going to be there, it's going to be there, and, you know, oh, what, six months, seriously. But we always forget, and some of the biggest games ever released, such as, you know, Bioshock was one that got pushed back for a number of times. Um, you know, as I said, GTA, as much as we love-hate relationship, that got pushed back from that October release, didn't it, all the way until, was it March? Yeah. It did pretty well. I mean, uh, Metal Gear, I mean, there's, there's, there's tons that have, that have followed that suit. So, uh, frustrating, yes. Should it not happen? I think for the right reasons it happens. Um, and the game development, it's it's not that that cut and paste. It doesn't just well. It's going to be done when it's you know by this time period because everything's that easy. It's it's done when it's done. And I think if more companies actually had the the brave part to say to this financial side of it, no, it can't come out. Then you know I I think it would probably be better. And I'd be more than happy to see more games get pushed back if I had a better. Uh, product at the end. Not that I've just got on a soapbox, apparently. You did. Apparently, you just jumped up. I was like, I was, everyone else can fuck off. At this apparently, point. I have a really big problem with that. Yeah. Put it like this, Jeff. Let's look at the opposite end. If we did throw um, slipping <sighs> release dates into Room 101, imagine a world where every game had the same sort of release schedule as a licensed movie game. Think of that. They said they were bringing it out on June 12th because that's when Batman comes out or whatever. Batman Begins turns out to be a piece of shit, the game. Um, and, and the film's great, but they, just, they continue to make these crappy games. If they'd had the freedom to go, you know what? We will bring out Batman Begins next year. We're going to make it as good as Arkham Asylum. It would have been a better game. If you stick to a date to the exclusion of all quality, the end product suffers every single time. So... Uh, uh, that this is going to be an outright apologetic no, but that can't go into room 101. I'm sorry, Jim. but I mean, if you wish to defend, I mean, you've listened to our argument. Yeah, yeah. you got the killer well, defend. Anything else on that one? Well, I, my only problem is like, say, why can't they just leave it, leave it as a general release date? Say, like, like you said, Q1 or Q2, whatever. Yeah. And then give the final release date when you get into that period. Or it's just I don't like the fact like they would say, all right, it's coming out March the 27th, and then it gets released like. Push yeah. back another six months. Yeah. Plus, wouldn't that also be costing them money because they're going to have to keep up the advertising on the game? Yeah. But being pushed back another six months, that means there's going to be another six months of advertising to keep up the interest. And, and but now, now you hit on the reason why publishers hate the fact when they have the pushback games. It's not necessarily you know they they know that sometimes you know the product has to come first. And but you know if you look at GTA's case as a prime example, they put a ton millions of pounds into marketing for that game because up until was it two months before um, it was meant to come out they were still sticking by that date nope nope it's going to happen it's going to happen and they said pulled it at the last minute and the marketing had already been put into place it had been put into place because they basically said to the world it's coming out on this date and you better go out and pre-order it and buy it and you know it wasn't until six months later it came out so you know I, I think they agree with you they don't want to see that happen but at the end of the day if it's for the, the benefit of the product then it, it has to happen I I'd love to think we live in a world where everything works like Apple. We have this new product. Here it is. <laughs> Go buy. But uh, the reality is that, I mean, I, I would argue with you in many respects, I think advertising for games takes far too long. I mean, you know, I'm fed up of seeing previews for games, you know, 12 months in advance, you know, two years in advance. 
and being drip fed information all the time. I that that I'm all but oblivious to that now. I mean, are, like, do you read previews? Any of them, Alex? I mean, no, I, do, I do read preview for, uh, previews. in Edge, for example, are quite good. I mean, I know I'm a bit of an Edge whore, but that uh, they tend to be able to phrase it in an interesting way rather than going, "Yep, looks good." And if there are some problems, they do say, look, the, the, the controls are like a dog at this point. Maybe this, maybe this won't get sorted out before the end because we've only got a few weeks left on it. So, anyway, I'm saying, no, that's staying out. Oh, so, sorry, Jeff. We've been, <laughs> we've been really harsh this, this yeah. episode, though. We've hardly had anything in. What, do you have another one, Jeff? Have you got anything else stuck up your sleeve? Uh, no, that's all I can cook up with on this short notice. <laughs> that's fine. That's cool. Okay, uh, Jeff Merlihan, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on. Oh, and Jeff, can you do one thing for us? For yes. the people that have been listening for many years now, can you shout Jeff Merlihan in your own voice? Jeff Merlihan. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Jeff Merlihan. Right. We'll talk to you later, Jeff. That's it. Thank you very much. Give me time to realize my cry. Let me love and steal. Is it scary? I have danced. Oh, I like her. How can love be real? We have with us Josh Garrity, also known as Combine Hunter. Josh, what would you like to put into Room 101? Um, I would like to put gamers stuck in the past. Let me clarify that. Um, I don't mean retro gamers as such, because um, I think it's important for us to go back and look at the classics, you know. Um, What I mean by gamers stuck in the past is gamers who say things like, games today are too easy. (laughs) why can't they make them them how they made them back in the 8-bit days and and why do developers bother with things like storyline or character development it's pointless that really really i've never heard anyone make that argument before but i can imagine some people might yeah um mega man didn't need a storyline and neither do we yeah it's it's just i bring it up now because i feel like um those people are kind of getting their way. Now, I'm not, I'm not attacking retro remakes. I think, like, um, Bionic Com- Commando Rearmed was a perfect example of how you do that correctly. Mm. But I think there's a vehicle for that kind of content, and that's like Xbox Live Arcade and PSN. What I don't agree with is releasing a 20-year-old game on 10-year-old hardware for full retail price. Whoa, which uh, one's example, this? Example here. Um, um, New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Whoa. Controversial. Yeah. Tony, what, what do you think of that one? I didn't finish his argument first. Oh, no, no, carry on, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I have nothing against the game. It's a great game. But I, put, I see all the effort put into something like Uncharted 2 and all the detail that's put into that. Mm. And some of the set pieces in that are just mind-blowing. But then I see New Super Mario Brothers Wii, and let's be honest here, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's Super Mario Brothers 3 
with better graphics. And four players. Yeah, yeah, that matters to some people. <laughs> um, but, do you know, I mean, I, I just think there's a price structure for that kind of content, and 40 quid, I, I'm not willing to pay that much money for a game that was That's essentially released 20 years ago. Tony, um, in in the case of New Super Mario Brothers Wii, I think you've you've actually played that one properly all the way. Did you, did you finish it? Or I did, yeah. And um, was it worth forty quid? Really, honestly, um, did it feel like it was what fifteen, twenty years old? It was number three in my top ten games of last year. So, did it feel like it was well worth money? Of course, it did. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I, hang on, I can I can see your arguments from two angles here. Um, and one thing, devil's advocate, I I think. I understand where you're coming from. I think it, we've got very used to in 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 the industry. Well, the way I see it, the industry was moving forward, and you know these new great hopes of gaming were were pushing forward. Certainly on the PlayStation Two days, and you know onto the Xbox, and we we got quite used to the kind of the newer technology ruling the roost. I think now the the addition of the downloadable services on all three platforms, and even the you know the PC, been striving this for many years. That you know it's the it's. We've seen the kind of revival of the older style, kind of 8-bit gaming arcade stuff, and I don't necessarily think that's a, a bad thing. Now, if you combine it, then, okay, well, your, your problem is not necessarily that that's the problem, because you've said that's fine, and saying, well, I don't want to see it in my big games. Why not? Uh, I would argue, one second here, that um, that if you if you look at the amount of games that are released uh, year upon year, that those those types of games really only dominate a very small portion of the market. And uh, when you look at New Super Mario Brothers Wii, still a terrible title, I grant you. Um, it it was a pleasure to go back. It was enjoyable to go back and, and relive some childhood roots with the addition of four player multiplayer. Um, and you know because people need to to learn at some point. And you know why not give them a really high production uh, value game? that actually teaches them the basic mechanics of jumping the, the perfect Mario jump. Um, as, I, as I said, the reason I actually adored that game is because I played it in four-player all the way through, and I, I started out playing with numpties at the start, and by the end of the week holiday, I was playing with what I felt were, you know, people that felt like they'd been playing Mario for years upon years, and they were going to go off and play even, you know, more complex games. So I think there's there's a time and place for it. Mario was a very bad example to bring into that. So if you've got any other ones that you feel like are really doing the the industry a disservice by, I I, I I I don't think it's it's really the games that I have a problem with. I, I don't I feel like it was a bit of a mistake bringing new Super Mario Bros. <laughs> we up, but um, it's just the idea that some gamers feel like that games should stay as they are and this industry should stagnate if you will because one of the things i love about games is that i feel like i haven't seen all this medium is capable of and i want to see developers push it as far as it can be pushed and i don't mean just in terms of graphics i mean gameplay i mean heavy rain's coming up and i'm buying that just on principle because <laughs> it's it's um it's pushing I mean, Fahrenheit did similar stuff beforehand, but I just like the direction that um, David Cage is pushing games. I want to see more stuff like that. And just to see a game like New Super Mario Bros. Wii sell, I don't know how much it sold, like six million. Oh, millions, yeah. Yeah. And then something like Uncharted 2 sell half of that. How much effort 
went into Uncharted 2 compared to how much effort went into New Super Mario Bros. Wii. I just feel like, you know, these developers aren't being rewarded for the amount of effort mm. they're putting in. I think you might actually be in with a chance if uh, we f- focus on what you originally said, which is that you don't like the fact that there are pushy nostalgics out there telling everyone else how they think the world, yeah. the games industry yeah, should be run. I mean, hang on a minute. That's exactly what he's doing. It's, I mean, the, we're, you're looking True. at the point of saying that you want to see, that you want to see games innovate. And this actually touches very close to what we did last week, the Wii episode. Um, that, you know, in many respects, you do see a lot of the, the games that you're describing exist on the Wii, where, you know, they, they kind of sit within their, what, what's capable of that machine. And a lot of the times that focuses on, on some of the more old school, old school style techniques of gameplay, where, you know, the newer, you know, consoles and the PC included really do push boundaries of what gaming may be capable in the future. But I think, you know, circling around evil one and saying, right, this is the way you should be done is, is wrong because, you know, New Super Mario Brothers Wii didn't just sell six million copies because it was Mario on the front. Otherwise, Mario it, Galaxy was. Yeah, it, it outsold Super Mario Galaxy. You know, it, quite, you know, I think three to one it's outsold Super Mario Galaxy. I think what that's saying is, you know, the old school gameplay is perfectly translatable to a new, new audience. And that, you know, you know, a fighting game, as much as I have problems with 2D fighting games, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we should drop them just because I feel like they're, they're a, an old star genre that is, you know, long since been passed with, uh, you know, 3D fighting games. I think some people really glue and, and love that stuff. And I, I think if anyone's an enthusiast gamer, then it's, it's the ability to enjoy everything around us. Now, of course, well, I think what you're saying is there's people out there saying, it should only exist like this and we shouldn't push gaming forward. We're always going to say anyone that sits within one very narrow-minded viewpoint shouldn't really be allowed to have an opinion. Um, but you could say that about anything, you know, whether it be games, music, politics, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of know where you're coming from because I think we've always said this on the, on the show and this is what I think we were trying to aim at last week. It, you know, we do want to see the, the, the genre grow up. Uh, grow up is a terrible word. Move, move on. Um, evolve. evolve evolve that's the word and uh, and and tackle new aspects of gaming that we maybe have not even seen yet rather than just setting you know, sitting down its its laurels but you know I, I still enjoy a bloody good game of an 8-bit version of any game uh, given the right opportunity and right circumstances I didn't Alex. bloody enjoy Mega Man 9 that can fuck right off well, yeah I, I'm going to have to agree with Alex I wanted to punch someone in the face <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, I mean, I'm only like 19 years old, so my first console was the PlayStation, and um, oh, so, you youngsters, <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> but I mean, I can, I, I played um, Super Metroid on the Wii. I downloaded it from the Virtual Console, and I, I love that game. I think it's excellent. I think I, my opinion of it was slightly because I played Shadow Complex before it, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, but... I actually prefer I mean, Shadow Complex, though. I like the way that it's it's moved on. Shadow Complex is a lot more approachable, and there's less... Well, the backtracking in Shadow Complex is just so much faster. In in Super Metroid, I'm just crawling around the place. I don't know but, why it's taking so... But that's, that's taking 8-bit gaming and involving it into, like... the, the 16-bit in this case. Well, yeah, 16-bit gaming and involving it into the technology we have now, but still, at its very core... It's just the same general type of game, just mm. you know, sped out with uh, a few new mechanics that wouldn't have been possible back then. And a shooting mechanic that nobody liked. <laughs> Except me, I liked it. They, they drew, aiming in and out of the background, that was cool. 
But do you see what I mean? So by having those people that dearly love that game in the first time round, I don't think something like Shadow Complex, because you know the development team of Shadow Complex were very forefront. Well, forthright was saying, you know what, this is Metroid, and mm. we've uh, we've kind of stuck our own skin over it, and we've kind of added a few new twists. But ultimately, yeah, we're all mega fans of Metroid, and we wanted to make a game very similar to that. Yeah. So then again, Tony, um, I only had to pay like ten or twelve quid for that instead of forty quid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, but I mean, uh, are you suggesting that Nintendo really should have done a really high-quality downloadable type of source-level game? I, yeah, I said why, actually. In WiiWare. I mean, if it was on WiiWare, I'd have no problem with it. because. But I they've then be cut price. out a huge portion of their market that just don't even look at WiiWare. Yeah, I mean, Lost Winds has not sold that many. But think of the profit margin they're getting from that game anyway. I mm. mean, it must be far more than... I mean, It'd be a great way of selling WiiWare and getting people looking at it by yeah. going, look, you've got Super Mario Bros. Wii, and the only way it is, you can get it is WiiWare, so get yourself connected. I, I, I agree in that respect. That actually would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but, I mean, there's for every argument saying there's there's a ton of 8... Well, let's leave 8-bit, but, you know, the 16-bit era-type games on, on the Wii, I would argue there's a ton of terrible uh, 3D modern-type games uh, circulate on the 360 and the PC and the, yeah. and the PC that clog up just as much shelf space and don't yeah. innovate in any other way than just being, well, it's another 3D shooter. Isn't yeah. that fun? Yeah. So as much as, yes, Heavy Rain sits out there and I'd argue stuff like, you know, you know the Bioshocks and you know, the Mass Effects of the world, you know, pushing forward different narratives in gaming and, you know, new experiences, I think it's very, very important. And, you know, for people of the slightly younger age to kind of understand where, you know... <laughs> gaming started and if that means going back and, and playing new Super Mario Brothers Wii and, and spending your £40 on it I'm suddenly the, the Wii convert here then I think you should do so damn that Wii episode last week changed my mind entirely but yeah I, I can't say I'm going to throw it in because I, I think it's important for Heritage to exist there but if anyone's going to be so particular to say you can only play then sure they can go in room one okay. one but let me let me rephrase that then I I Keep new Super Mario Brothers Wii. That's fine. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> get get rid of the gamers who just want everything to stay as it is and stagnate and just become boring. Get rid of them, please. So Come put on. Commander Tim in room 101. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Tony, do, do you want to put pushy nostalgics in? I mean, I, I, under, clearly Commander Tim does like some new games. But, so he's not included in this one. Well, I mean, ultimately, you, you'll think you're living in a world where the pushing nostalgics are going to win out in this in this scenario. And I don't think that's that's proven the case. As much as New Super Mario Brothers Wii has has done extremely well for themselves, I don't see the stem of other types of games uh, stopping just because Nintendo have, have worked out how to make more money out of less production values. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. there's always going to be people, and the, and the same same within the film industry. You know, for every yeah, uh, film that is just a carbon copy paste and is a, another romantic comedy that costs nothing and you know a lot of people go and enjoy but doesn't really push any boundaries. You know, uh, cinema makers and producers will always do that, but there is always going to be a core group of people that will continually push the boundaries of what film can portray and, and do. And you know, occasionally each you know, one of those will break out and be a huge success and move the industry forward bit by bit. Um, and so yeah, I, I mean. I, Sorry, I, I still think, you know, pushy little gamers that love the, the way things used to be have much right as us pushy gamers that think, you know, they're, they're, our genre should be moving forward. But uh, I think it's a good effort. 
Well, you've got something of a stalemate here because I'm all in favour of getting... Because <laughs> it's not just video games. There is... A, part of the human condition is that there will always be a section of the public who remember things back when they were younger and th- those warm, familiar feelings. And, and then they look at the way the world is today and think the world's going to hell in a handcart. It's not. The Time. world's actually yeah. getting better. Uh, Time but, has a, um, a way of uh, sieving out all the crap. Yeah. So that when we look back, it's oh, remember the good old days, but actually it was just as shit then yeah. as it is now. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I'm totally with you in terms of putting people who will not shut up about how crap it is now and how great it was then into Room 101, and that's just for everyone, not just gaming people like that. Everyone, sick of them. Our generation is no worse than the last. Hell no. Okay, so uh, I think you're kind of on a stalemate there, <laughs> there Josh. Um, but he's done better than that. Would, would it help people. if I sent Tony cookies? Yes. Nope. What flavour? Bri- bribery on Digital Cowboys doesn't mean you over. <laughs> it would help if you sent me cookies. I'd agree with you even more. And Alex will kill me during the night. Okay, I think that's we're going to have to leave it on a stalemate there, Josh, unfortunately. But uh, you were you were pretty damn close, and we've been very strict this episode. And uh, before you go, I just want to uh, wish a happy birthday today for Elaine Stryker, uh, who is the lead host of Some Other Castle. Happy birthday, Elaine. Happy birthday, Elaine. Talk to you later, Josh. Bye. 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 Lights don't shine as brightly as they shone before Tell the truth, lights don't shine at all Okay, and we are here with long-time listener James Midgemeister Perkins. How are you doing, James? I'm alright, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. We've we've been really strict this evening. We've hardly let anything in. So uh, convince us. What have you got? Oh, I think I can convince you. Uh, That's what I they all first? say. <laughs> <laughs> can I just first say thank you ever so much for having me on? Oh, no problem. No worries. All right. Um, here's something I think uh, Tony's going to have a bit of trouble with uh, defending. Uh, I'd like to throw into Room 101 FIFA 10's online design team for not designing a very good league table system that's very specific <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to be in that i am going to have nothing to say about this so i'm just gonna leave this <laughs> on over to tony well can you re, re tell me the, the question again because that is so very specific okay i would like to throw in to room 101 fifa 10's online design team uh which i think was hb studios for not designing a very good league table system as you well know with the uh, fifa 10 league we've been having that is so Pacific. Oh my God! <laughs> right, so right for anyone that doesn't know, I, you're going to have to explain how the, the league table works for the people who have no idea and never played FIFA, or the people that have played FIFA and haven't had the delight to actually play the uh, the league table yet. Right, basically, uh, people know the usual league table system they have for like the Premier League and the Championship. It's got the games played. Um, the goal difference, how many they've won at home or away and lost and drawn, and the points. Uh, the main thing is with the FIFA 10 uh, league table, they don't have the points. So we've had to work that out for, um, for ourselves um, in the Digital Cowboys League. And I think that's just really awkward. And the fact that you have to scroll across the screen and it's not in the usual format that a um, real-life uh, league table is designed in. 
And I now have to defend the fact that they have a terrible league table. Yep, that's why right. I thought this one would be a good one for you, Tony. Um, the the strength for the, for anyone else that hasn't played FIFA, obviously this seems utterly boring. Um, but get this, I mean FIFA, obviously you know people, if whether you like football or not, you know football league tables you would know from the back of your sports page pretty simply are fairly easy to work out how many games you played, how many games you, how many times you won, lost, drawn, and your goal differences result in the final point table. And like Midge says there, in the in the FIFA 10 version of it, it's literally, it just says, right, you need to play this person, this person, this, this person, and these are the games you need to play. And that's about it. It doesn't give you a point. It just tells you how many games you won and how many games you lost. And then you kind of have to work it out from that, who's who's actually winning, who's you know doing good or bad, or you know whether they, you know, their goal difference was good or bad by going back into like 12 different menus and finding out. Uh, yeah. Whether the last you can only see the last ten games being played, so it's a horrendous system, and I I don't think I can actually defend this in in any way, shape, or form purely because of this. In the main part of FIFA 10, they have the standard league table, and it's throughout the rest of the game. But when it comes to the online league stuff, I assume they've done it because they, first of all they want you to see who you've got to play next, how many games you've got left. So you know I can see that I need to play Midgemeister. Two more times. And that's the first thing they, they want to uh, portray to you or convey to you. Um, but why on earth it doesn't, it, that isn't an option down to one side? Uh, and it, it's, it's a confusing mess. So, yep. I, I tell you what, I would add even more to this. If we're going to throw this in room 101, which, believe it or not, you're one of the first people to do so because you've made it so blinking Pacific. Um, it's the whole design of the FIFA menus are pretty bad. I mean, the case of that would be that there's so many different things that that, in, that game now entails. I mean, it's a manager sim. It's a uh, play on your yeah, play on your own. Is what's they call it? Be a pro, be a pro mode. So you know, you create your own player and play down that. Uh, it's you know, you can even check the current status of your league uh, your league or online league tournaments play 10 and 10 online league tournaments or even down to the point where if you just want to look at the latest scores and results there's a menu for that and they try to put it in this menu system like you, you, you go down 1, 2, 3 then over to the right which drops down another menu that's got 12 different choices you go off of that and it drops down into like 4 different more choices complete and utter confusing mess it's like trying to navigate the, the XMB on the uh, PlayStation 3, you go down in the settings menu, it just becomes this huge complex system that you're like, I don't know, where's the option I'm after? So, um, yeah, that, that, I'm, that's, what, if, if you would like to say it's going in room 101, be my guest. Yeah, I agree completely, it's going in room 101. Room 101. <laughs> room 101. 101. He was so specific though, though, how can I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there. it should go into room 101. It's horrible. Alice, <laughs> why, Alex? Because FIFA's already in there. Because it's a boring fucking football game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've, I could never say that. No, FIFA's brilliant. If you want a soccer game, that's your game. Football game, Alex. <sighs> Whatever. FIFA soccer. We've got to hit the trail now. So thank you very much, James Perkins. We'll talk to you yeah. later. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Scarf. The scarf is the football. I've got a rat. Two. 
Finlay Man, also known as Finlay 666. What have you got for us, Finlay? Um, at the minute, I want to put in unskippable cutscenes. Okay, they're in. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> elaborate, elaborate. Um, mainly across things like Japanese RPGs, where you're having <sighs> kind of game establishing uh, cutscenes, and it just does my head. And if I'm playing the game the second or third time round, mm. I don't need to know this. I can skip it and still enjoy the game. Yeah. Tony, your your viewpoint on this? I hate them, Tony. Devil's advocate in for the win. Yeah, try to balance this one out. Huh? Try try to say yes, no. You must sit through that whole right. bit in Final Fantasy VII where it just goes on and on and on and well, on. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a programmer, so maybe I mean, you are potentially a programmer in the future. I know that Finlay. So maybe you could argue that be this. And skippable cutscenes, do they not come from the fact that developers, one obviously would love you to sit down for the entire time and watch their, their cutscene because... Over and over again, though? No, well, hang, hang on. Time and time again. Well, they don't want you to necessarily sit there for time and time again, but they don't want you to skip it the first time around. Now, does this come down to more of a programming thing where, you know, they just don't put something in there first time around to say, look, you know, if this person dies at this point and then we restart from this checkpoint... This cutscene then shouldn't, you know, should be skipped, or you know, is that just lazy programming where they're like, right, we don't want you to skip any cutscenes ever, and if you happen to die in there, then we're not going to put the extra time into to reprogram this, stop that from happening. I think the thing it kind of comes down to more is actually the graphical artists, actually as opposed to the programmers. Because mm-hmm. um, I know, having played Lost Odyssey, there are certain cutscenes that you can skip, which are pretty important ones. But the ones where you actually have interaction, you just can't skip because you just keep having to press A over and over again. Ugh. That's true. Is there any technical point where um, cutscenes are actually doing the buffering in the background for future scenes to actually be happening, loading up different parts of the game world? So, you know, technically you think, oh, I can't skip this, well, bastards, but they're actually doing the, the loading. I'm sure the ones which there are, I mean, there's obviously the typical loading screen where you introduce an area, but in things like Lost Odyssey, there's just piles of loading screens elsewhere. Mm, it's true. I, I would say it's got to be a specific kind of skip as well. Uh, press start and it says skip cutscene and then you press square yeah. or whatever and it, ha- it can't be an accidental. I accidentally pressed X and now I don't know what the hell's going on. And I've done that in the past. And yeah, me too. Pissed off. I'm like, what? What? I've got to go back. Or, yeah, uh, when we're playing Halo 3, there's one bit where all of the Covenant and the uh, Marines get together and just all like form a unified force. And it's a great moment. But people were talking over my headset and I didn't bloody pay attention. And I've never seen it again since then. I don't even know which, which level it's after. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say not only should you be able to skip cutscenes, but you should also be able to replay cutscenes. Well, and, and there was the argument, of course, Metal Gear Solid famous for its, its cutscene situation, but, you know, there should be a, a thing where you can save during cutscenes. If they're gonna send us down a cutscene that's 20, 30, 30 yeah, minutes long. Hour and a half. And you know, I'm just popping into the game. I don't know why I'd be popping into a game like that for. I'll just have a quick minutes. five minute go of Metal Gear exactly. Solid. But um, you know, if they're going to produce such cutscenes like that, they should give you far more options rather <laughs> than 
you know, one saving, but two, I completely agree with you in the way that if you press a button, then it should give you the option, are you sure? And then you can go, yes. So if they're locking it out just for the case that they then want you to lean on that button and accidentally, because ideally every graphical artist wants you to sit there and admire their, their perfectly rendered cutscene. But uh, yeah, there shouldn't be being more choice, or definitely just a bit more in the programming that just says, "Look, you know, this person has seen this one cutscene." Yeah, he doesn't. If you're starting wish. New Game Plus, for example, yeah. you definitely should. Right. Uh, so, is that going in, Tony? Have we got? A, have we got a win? I I think he gets a straight win, which yes. is fairly uh, fair. We've been, <laughs> but yeah. we've been mean this episode. So, uh, okay, you, you're in. So, thank you very much for coming on the show, Finlay. It's been a pleasure. Don't pass me by, don't make me cry, don't make me blue Cause you know, darling, I love only you You'll never know it hit you so I'll hate to see you go, don't pass me by Don't make me Okay, next caller, you're on the air with Digital Cowboys. What's your name and who are you from? Uh, this is uh, Savory, Brandon Ivy. I'm from uh, Atlanta, Georgia in the mm-hmm. U.S. And what do you have for us for Room 101 today? Brandon? I guess mine, the, the basic umbrella, you could say, is bad start menu interface decisions. Uh-huh. You know, they, people gripe a lot about interfaces, and usually that's more like the HUD or the in-game menus and stuff, but the start menu you see every time you play a game, and you know, and sometimes it's just really frustrating to use, especially when you're having to launch and start the game over and over. I guess the first part of that is, I, I put this in the forum, is when you start up a game that you've played before, resume should be the first option. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times, uh, you know, they'll have new game, and some of my favorite games have, have done this. Like Fable 2 and Uncharted 2 both had, like, new game as the first option every time you loaded it up. So when your title screen comes up, you're itching to play, and you're like, and you press A immediately, yeah. and you've already clicked on new game, and it starts the bloody game altogether. Exactly, and you got to back out or exit yeah. the game, you know, and uh, it's just, you know, how hard is it to, to put a little cookie on your Xbox going, hey, this guy has played Fable 2 before? Oh, not even yeah. that. I, Final, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII, the, the de facto was continue, wasn't it, Tony? Because, I mean, you, you really are only going to start that game, like, twice, three times, no, I think yeah, if you're a serious Final Fantasy fan, maybe more than three times, but it's uh, you're gonna go for continue more than anything else. Yeah, Mass Effect and uh, and Dragon Age both did this pretty well. They both had a default as continue or resume. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the second thing is, uh, like you know, every time you start it up, also having to select your save file location every time you uh, load a game <laughs> or every time you you save a game. Like how hard? You know, just as I said before, how hard is it to say, hey? You know, Brandon has chosen to put his save files on the hard drive. Yeah. Remember next time I boot up. <laughs> yeah, it's it. I, I, I put this in the forums. But I'm just going to repeat it here. It's yeah. it's when you start up a game and it goes, whoa, whoa, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Now, where do you want to store this stuff? And it goes, vroom, and it pulls up a, a choice of one, my hard drive. And it's like, well, you know what? If I put a, 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 a memory unit in the machine, you might have the, uh, the the reason to ask me that. There's only ever going to be one memory unit in this machine, my hard drive. When there's more than one, I'll let you know. Until that time, just imagine that I'm going to be going for the hard drive, okay? I wonder if that's a Microsoft policy, though. I wonder if they have to bring that screen up. Because I, I remember Is it that. because of they're not putting the fucking hard drive on the yeah. original Xboxes? 
Is it because well, I think that's part of it, definitely. But how hard is it to like just start saving defaults and stuff? And maybe there's a block on it, but you think I think this is terrible. Easy. I mean, I can't remember whether every game does this or not. Almost every game does it. And it's it's just a few extra seconds, but it's enough that if you just want to start the game after you sat through all the logos and things and and all, all the warnings not to copy the thing, then it, you know it's like one extra thing. And then you go, okay, right, I'd like to go to the hard drive, please, cheers. And then, more often than not, he goes, yes, but which one? And which file do you want to load up? I don't know, the one I was last playing. Okay. See, I, I, I suppose I've got, I've got a different take on this, because I normally have the hard drive and two memory cards plugged in all yeah, at the same well, time. You're the exception. <laughs> you're ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> So no, I th- I'm used to see that. it does. It does hang around. It, it is to do with the uh, with Microsoft. I mean, the PlayStation Three doesn't do this at any point, does it? It doesn't go. Mm. Well, wait a second. I know you've got an installed hard drive, but uh, where do you want to save this one? Some games do, I think, but not every game. I don't think it's as, it's common. I don't remember it much, so. And uh, you want to know who my 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 least favorite violator of all these is uh, Resident Evil Five. Oh yeah. Can you guess how many button clicks it takes to resume a game in Resident Evil Five? Seventeen. I have a feeling least, you do, though. <laughs> at least 10. Christ. You have, you know, you not only do you have to select your hard drive, after you select it, it comes up with another screen that goes, your hard drive has been selected, click OK. Okay, now for someone as incredibly patient as me, Tony, uh, you can see why I would hate this. But how about you? I mean, you're, you've got even more patience. No, I, I mean, we're dealing with two issues here. I mean, first, let's get the, the, the annoying 360 issue where the hard drive symbol pops up. I agree. It's just, I mean, if you don't have another memory unit plugged in, it's, it's a stupid option that, quite frankly, pisses me off. And um, it's ridiculous as well, because quite often it takes you out of games, um, such as the Burnout Paradise stuff. I mean, the, the PlayStation 3 version, it was just seamless because it was going to be reading off a hard drive, it going to be done, bang. Um, because of the 360 architecture and, and the way the friend system worked as well, if you wanted to invite a friend, you had to go out, you had to go into the, the friends list menu screen, it broke the immersion, and the hard drive, picking the hard drive was just another example of that. So mm. sometimes the policies doesn't always work with, with games. I assume it's there purely from the fact that, you know, they, they want you to, to buy more of their memory devices and they want you to have a, a, another memory card, but also just to make it easy for, uh, everybody that, that jumps into this stuff to go, right, well, where would you like to save it? Are you sure you'd like to save it on the hard drive? Well, there you go. There's your click. But surely isn't that going to make it more complicated and like, hang on a second, where am I saving this? It's so quick for me. I don't even look anymore. I don't know. I just press A, 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 A. But, I mean, if we get onto menus, then, yeah, I mean, I, I think the bigger argument would be there. I'm, I'm more than happy to throw in that stupid pop-up screen of where you want to save your content in room 101. Mm. You know, um, get a usability guy to come in and help you design a menu that people can use, you know. It's, it's there's no argument in favor yeah. of new game being the de facto uh, choice. No argument. Yeah. I, I, but we want was, people to experience this game over and over again. I was going to argue menu systems overall, I'm so surprised, haven't really uh, involved the same way that games have. I mean, there's there's examples such as, you know, obviously Dirt, you know, Codemasters are very good at integrating menu systems mm. uh, and a few others. But, you know, nine times out of ten, you've got these wonderfully complex design games and the menu system is just text. Would you like to go here? Yes. Now we're moving into this screen. Would you like to go here? And it's, it, it's, it never really sells the whole, um, you know, start of this epic adventure. That's a remarkably British menu you got there. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's, it's it's very formulaic, and I think games are anything but. And I, I wonder they they keep the the system like that just yeah. because it's nice and simple for people. It's because or... they scare people if they didn't have a menu. Well, Ima- imagine it had a good interview, had a good menu yeah. interface. Did it just start straight away, didn't it? 
Oh. Yeah, and plus the menus were designed in a very kind of cool new way. Like yeah. it's you know it's very easy. Oh, and I have another thing to kind of throw in. Now that games like uh, Mass Effect 2 and Dragon Age have like an in-store kind of store, in-game store, every time you load up the game, it connects to the server's network, or in Dragon <laughs> Age, it connects to the EA servers. Mm. And if your internet's down or if your internet's slow, or just the other day, the EA servers are down, I couldn't start up Dragon Age because the EA servers are down. Uh, if you got downloadable content with the EA servers and you can't play the game... That's a whole other argument. Online. But yeah, that's a yeah. bit... But okay, no, I, I, I'm, I'm putting this one in. <laughs> Tony? I, well, I think menu systems really do need to, to, to catch up. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's nice and easy to say, well, look, if I've already started a game, just leave me with the option to press continue. I mean, that's, that's a basic one to throw in. Mm. But I think overall menu systems should do a lot more. I think, I think a prime example here, if you took something like FIFA, uh, oh, FIFA is a terrible menu system, but no, if you took, um, <laughs> uh, I've already thrown that in, so I can't. Um, uh, if you took Forza Free, um, and it's a clean, fresh menu system that guides you along the way. Would you? Are you sure you wish to do this? And it tells you what you're about to pick. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's cool, fresh, innovative, and it's great for n- new people. But also, once you've pressed it once, there's a button to say, look, if you don't want to listen to this dialogue again, we'll get rid of all these options. Yeah. And so it just it's adaptive to the actual player. So if you play, say, you play, as as will be the case, Final Fantasy for for 60 hours, it, it should just automatically know. <laughs> you, you're beyond picking new game and you're beyond you know being in a tutorial state you just want to go straight into what you started I would like it to not even go to the title screen in Final Fantasy I, th- I think it, it, they should just assume hey look dude wants to start playing from where he was last mm-hmm. well Dragon Age I've got like six seven different characters on the go so I need to go in that menu system and go right switch character go here it's definitely not unheard of I mean Grand Theft Auto does that you literally there's no title screen yeah. GTA it just goes right this is where you were and although it does go, you're about to play Grand Theft Auto, here's a loading screen and a little yeah, bit of music. Also, I hate games where they don't give you a menu system. So it's like when I was playing Burnout Paradise. Mm. Right, I want to finish this game. What do I do? There's no way of backing out. Apparently, I just turn off the console. <laughs> it's, it's saved somewhere along the line. It goes, hang on, are you sure? Uh, unsaved data will be will be lost. You're like, I quit the dashboard. Save the <laughs> That's a so, horrible uh, design, yeah. Uh, so, is it in? I agree. Yeah, I think bad menu systems, it, it's something that is lagging hugely behind, and we're not doing a very good job on these last few. Nah, we're nah. Leaking. But, uh, I th- no, well, people are coming up with some damn good arguments in, the, in this case. I mean, there have been some really good ones this whole way through, but we've had to be as professional as possible. Yeah. We've had to say no, and apologies <laughs> to all of those guys we've said no to. But uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, Brandon. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. We will talk right. to you later. Uh, cheers. Final caller, we got Scott Larrabee, also known as Nerd Leader. How are you doing, Scott? Hey, I'm doing good. How about you guys? Fine, thank you. How's the weather in Fargo? Uh, rather cold. Uh-huh. Snowy. <laughs> yeah, very snowy. It's uh, 
I don't know, it was seven, negative seven this morning. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. did you have to go <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. It's, just, it's too easy. Sorry, man. One, sorry, film. One film ruins it for the it's entire... It's called Fargo. It, like, it... Okay, right. Scott. Despite, I haven't actually even seen that movie yet. Oh, it's good. Okay. <laughs> Scott, go for it. What do you want to put into Room 101? All right. I'm going to have to go and say uh, the Xbox 360 uh, memory devices. Ah, okay. Yep. Uh, I was going to limit this to the hard drives, but after thinking about it, I forgot about the uh, memory cards as well. Uh-huh. The memory cards are just as bad as the hard drives as far as expense goes. Mm-hmm. It's the, basically the price is all I have a problem with. Because uh, <clears throat> if you go out onto any site online, as in like Newegg or Tiger Direct, you can get a terabyte hard drive for under a hair, uh, under $100. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Xbox 360 hard drive, it's 120, height, uh, 120 gigabytes, and it costs $130 if you go to uh, GameStop. That is mental. It is mental. Now, like, people like you and I probably know, like, you, there's better deals out on the Internet, but uh, some small child's mom who knows little Billy needs to have a bigger hard drive uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't know where to look online for these kind of deals. So she just goes into GameStop, oh, there's a bigger hard drive, and it's $130. Yeah. So that's my main beef, along with the 512 memory, uh, 512 megabyte memory card for the Xbox 360, which is $30 right now. That is even, that's worse, as far as I'm concerned, because you get so little for it. I mean, you, you get to take your profile to a friend's house. I mean, we, we've been doing that since, what, PlayStation 1? It sh- it shouldn't be thirty quid. That's crazy. Tony, do you want to speak in in its favour in any way? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a little difficult. Go for it. I uh, we we have had this conversation once again on the show. Um, I mean, Microsoft would allow you to believe is because I mean they are custom made and yes, they're not. Well, I mean, <laughs> plastic. The plastic cannot raise the price that much. What, yeah, but I'm what sorry. they what they have. Come on, Tim made one. Now, what they have said with the hard drives is that they they actually go for a fairly rigorous um, processing procedure. So, I mean, for people that don't really know how production lines go, you know, a lot of stuff comes out. So, the cheaper manufactured makes of hard drives, you can pick up really, really cheap. Um, where the more expensive manufacturers, it means there's basically less defaults or less chance of defaults. The platters being slightly crapped up on them. Right. So, you know, you pay a bit more. Now, Microsoft would allow, would love you to believe that they are going for the, the top quality versions of this so this is why it drives the cost up uh-huh. and also they there is a, in a you know a pacific housing that no other company obviously can make so it's propriety housing so they can snap it on top even with all that involved and even with all the protection software so it's not like the playstation 3 we can just take a, a laptop hard drive and throw it in because microsoft actually do for a hell of a lot of protection stuff on there um, to make sure that you're not modding the system via the hard drive People have worked out obviously how to get around that, but you know that was their thinking from the very start. So it's not quite the same as just picking up any old hard drive, slapping it in, and making it work, because they've done a lot more to prevent that. All that said, the price is ridiculous, um, and I, I think with the 360, you look at it, it wants to be this media center. Um, yet the main thing you need for a media center, beyond all the other apps, of course, is storage capacity. And if you actually took what they, they they would say the hard drive is, say, £120 in the UK, you can buy an Xbox 360 Elite <laughs> with a 120 gig hard drive for about 160 quid 
you look around the right places. So basically they're saying for what the hard drive is 120 pounds. That's 40 so extra quid for, for the whole console plus the cables and joypads and joypads. That's absolutely ridiculous. Which is well, no, that's just a real bargain. It's just somewhere in the yeah. middle. You've got ridiculously priced hard drive and real <laughs> bargain package deal, and somewhere in the middle, it, it sort of, you know, it meets up. But, uh, I don't know, but the, the, the key word here would be shop around. I've not had to buy yeah, a, uh, a, a extra memory card, but then again, at that price, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, the, the shop around solution is, I mean, look on eBay. I mean, I know, I know people don't like That's buying second and stuff, but really that is the case because there's lots of people that do want to be a bigger hard drive. They go out and buy an Elite mm. and they've got the 60 gig just kicking around or if they want to buy the 250 Super Elite mm. and then they've got a you know, 121 kicking around. You can pick them up for about 60 quid, which is far more reasonable, but that's not Microsoft sanctioned. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too upset about these these poor mothers going out and buying this thing for little <laughs> Billy. If they really wanted to get savvy about it, they, they have the means. You can just jump on Amazon and do a bit of checking around. Yeah, but it's the principle. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it is it is ridiculous, and I I think it hurts Microsoft because I mean, if they want their 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 Wonder Box to do fantastic well, and the hard drive stops people from, you know, potentially you know downloading more of their content, then you know. Apart from making a few extra bucks from the people that are stupid enough to buy it from the shops, what's the point? Because they're yeah, going mean, to make money to never end. That's where I'm sitting at. I can't actually download anything else. I still have the original 20 gig hard drive from well, my original insane. Xbox. I know <laughs> that is man. That's just, little more than a memory card. We're getting <laughs> we're getting to the point where uh, I have the option of either spending 130 dollars, or you know, if I'm smart, less than that, I guess. But Either uh-huh. spending that money on a hard drive, or you know, maybe I can go buy one or two games for that price too. How about buy yourself a brand new console, <laughs> and then sell I, the old one? It would I, actually be cheaper in the long run. I was so tempted to do that this Christmas, but instead of buying another uh, Xbox, I actually got myself a PS3. Ah. So, the benefits <laughs> of the PS3 just outweighed getting a bigger hard drive. Was essentially all I was getting for so, another Xbox. So Microsoft yeah. lost. Out to a sale to on the competitors because their hard drives were too expensive. Come on, Microsoft! What the hell? This just shows you the ridiculousness of the situation. Wow, I'm just looking at how much the elite is in America. It's uh, three hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. So I suppose it actually that is a major. I suppose we just have it really good with our bundle deals, Tony. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was even one of the people that sat there for a while trying to justify buying the Super Elite to get the 250 gigabyte one going. Well, I could sell all the stuff and just get the hard drive. You just wanted uh, another black shiny. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good reason. Okay. Um, is it going in, then? Final one of the night. Oh, it's got to go in. Totally. I, I think absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... The crappy, um, overpriced memory uh, of the Xbox 360 is now going into Room 101 to be forgotten about forever, and instead we're getting reasonably priced. Well, for the new Xbox, did you hear? It's uh, every every single new Xbox has got a uh, a terabyte, hard, a, terabi- a terabyte hard drive as standard, <laughs> and they're not charging you a premium because they know that that memory will come in useful. People will download more stuff and they'll pay yeah. for more stuff. Yeah. In fact, the memory card is 250. Yeah. There's no limit on the <laughs> the uh, DLC. You don't have like you know you know to begin with that you couldn't have more than the size of a memory card for any downloadable arcade title. None of that. That's all bollocks. And uh, they, they just throw in a memory stick as well because they figure that everyone's going to want to take their memory stick out. And the whole thing only costs $7,000. <laughs> Congratulations. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much. It has been fantastic having you on the show, Scott Larrabee. Oh, it was a pleasure coming on. Thank you.
that's all from us this week. We'd like to th- say thank you once again to Sajin, Axeman, Kid Samson, Super Slug, Roy42, Jazzy Jeff, Combine Hunter, Midgemeister, Finlay666, Savory, and Nerd Leader from our forums. And thank you very much to all members of our community who helped us out with this one. And no doubt some of you will completely disagree with our opinions and say, no, you're <laughs> wrong. That should have gone into Room 1. And if that is the case, you can obviously send us an email to mailbag at thedigitalcowboys.com or jump over onto the forum thread. Uh, which can be found at thedigitalcowboys.com forward slash forums. And just as a reminder and an update, we're doing the Gamerscore Haiti Marathon Challenge, not this week, but the week after, because Tony's still recovering from his illness, and I don't think anyone would expect him to work through without any sleep for 36 hours. And You know, if he's getting up in the morning and then finishing at, like, 3 in the afternoon the next day, that's... I'm not going to ask him to do it, and I don't think anyone else would either. Somehow I've managed to wit my way through this entire podcast while I'm feeling really sick, and yeah. quite convincingly as well. Yeah. So what's that? Um, so I, think he, I think you were just delirious. <laughs> <laughs> the painkillers help. So that's so going to be... 27th to 28th then. 27th to 28th. So, uh, yeah, and thanks to everyone who's already contributed to that one. Yeah. So once again, 24 hours of gaming. How many achievements can we get in 24 hours? Every achievement we get... We get some money if you donated a lump sum amount, or is just Giles? I think it's only Giles at the moment is doing it. Yes. Per point. We're only doing it for for for, for that, but, but basically because it gives us something to work for. Yeah. Now, if, if we're just playing games for twenty four hours, that doesn't seem like a real challenge. But we're, my aim five thousand points. It sounds mental, but I think we can do it. It's going to be tough, but yeah, why not? <laughs> and I'm going to leave you with Roy Forty Two's other submission which I'm going to call from now on the unwinnable fight I've been Alex Shaw I've been Tony Atkins happy trails wait did that last one did that go into room 101 at all no okay then <laughs> no, 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 can no. I make one more can I make one more quick thing that I know could go into room 101 because there's no way anyone can defend it okay okay impractical or irrelevant, or just plain redundant game merchandise. Like selling replica swords. What the fuck am I going to use a sword for? Are you Shining you? on the wall. Hang on, <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of swords from Lord of the Rings. Are you including them? Now, do you use do you use them at all, or do you just leave them in your room to gather dust? Well, I polish them so they don't get dusty. How about that? So, um, so they're just ornaments. If, if so, Alex, I, do you polish your big sword, then? I do. Uh, if, if I did use them, I'd get a police caution. <laughs> to me, it's like saying, well, do you use that painting in your home? I mean, when was the last time you chopped the bread on it? Um, it's it's a piece of artwork. It's 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 a 3D representation of what Weta Workshop put together, you know, to represent Aragorn's sword in Lord of the Rings. And and I absolutely love uh, my uh, a, a couple of swords that I've got. Yeah, as far as you know, oh, it's it's art because it's a 3D representation of of the sword, sword Aragorn's sword, blah blah blah. I can make I can make that for a lot less. Just out of paper mache and then stick some rocks in it to make it heavy. And that way, if I do use it against someone, I've got the added bonus that if it breaks, rocks come out and hit them in the face. That is the worst <laughs> argument for not having a sword. I love the things I've ever heard. You should be proud of Weta Workshop. They're from your side of the world. But your, your biggest mistake here was attacking the Lord of the Rings. A papier mache sword <laughs> full of rocks. Okay. Um, so basically, you're, you're arguing against art. You're saying everything has to be practical now. If they, well, they say, they saw, they make, 
not arguing against art. It's arguing against that they make replica swords that you could that you could actually that actually would give the impression and to gamers of it to gamers uh, who are really stupid and most and a lot of gamers who actually uh, buy that in the, as who would actually go on looking for that as opposed to if they see it if they see it they might think about and buying it in a shop but gamers that would like look for it on eBay and stuff those sort of gamers would actually go like yeah I can swing this around I can fight and we can have fights and, like fight in the backyard <laughs> while we're to resolve this particular one, Roy, I think you've kind of got your wish in the UK at least. You aren't allowed to sell replica swords anymore. If I wanted a Lord of the Rings sword, I could now no longer get one. So I'm clinging to these ones because it, they've made it illegal. Because even though you might not go out and hurt someone in the street with it, what if someone broke into your house, stole your sword, and then went and hurt someone with it? That's the justification for not allowing collectors to buy to buy these things. So. Yes, I suppose it, it should go into Room 101, Roy. Because what if 